A very good morning to everyone. Welcome to the Sunday service of Free Community Church. I hope everybody had a very exciting week given what has happened in Singapore. But no matter what your take on it is, I think that once we gather here in the house of the Lord, may we just quieten our hearts and settle our mind and just focus on God. So let us now prepare our hearts with a call to worship. Drawn by God's presence, we, we gather. gather. Inspired by God's spirit, we worship. Empowered by God's grace, we live. We are community. Embraced, embraced by, by the mystery of God's love for all creation. We are community that look for the light of Christ. The, the light, light that shines in, in every time, every place, and every life. Within this dynamic community, we foster connections and experiences that brings meaning to life and help us face the issues of the day. Together, Together we, strive we strive to live with, with loving hearts, open minds, minds and hands extended to, to all. all. Welcome home. Amen. Now let us join the worship team on site for a time of worshipping together. Good morning, church. Let's uh, start this very beautiful morning with a tiny little story of a tiny little seed. So once upon a time, there was this little seed buried deep in this wheat, uh, I mean, paddy rice field. Asians, right? Everyone here eat rice, huh? No paddy fields, right? Yeah. So this little, like, little rice seed, by the way, forgive my plant terminologies. Uh, not that into plants, I'm sorry. Um, this little seed of rice, was trying to grow and it had hopes of one day growing into this very bountiful harvest of rice, giving good grain and giving good nutrition. But it knows that there are hurdles to go through. So anyway, fast forward, this seed became a sapling and when it peeked its head from the mounds of earth around it, right, it realised, hey, there are other little saplings around it, side by side very neatly planted and it knows that it's not alone and over the next few days, next few months this little sapling realised that hey, every day there's this multiple times a day there's this farmer that comes by and will, you know, take care of it and all its little friends around it and over time it came to learn of this farmer and see this, father as, see this farmer as someone it can trust someone it can believe in and put faith in. And over time, as this sapling grew into a very nice, long, um, what do you call that, stem of rice in this very vast paddy field, it knew one thing for sure. It knew that this farmer, whoever it was, whatever it is, they can trust in this farmer. And this farmer is like everything to this little rice plant. So this morning, I'm sorry to say there's kind of no ending to this little story. Because there is no ending in our story with God. I'd invite you to kind of step into the little roots. Plants no shoes, right? So roots. 
of this little rice plant. See yourself in it. And I pray that while we do that imagination exercise, I pray that you remember that we are not together. I mean, we are not alone. I was trying to test see anyone listening or not. Remember that we are not alone because we are all together. I also pray that you remember that as our job is to grow and abide, there is God who tends to our gardens and feeds our souls and hearts. And I also pray that you remember that our God is the God of our grief, the God of our joy, the God of chaos and war, the God of everything. So today, I invite you all to rise and also raise your voices, all our voices, to our awesome God and let us sing.
of the moon and stars, God of the gay and singles birds, God of the fragile hearts we are, I come to you, God of our history. 
Last now to come to God in prayer. God, indeed, we give thanks to you for you are the God of everything. And whatever is in our hearts, you know. And as we pass by another week, whether has it been peaceful or whether has it been turbulent, we come to you at this moment with our prayers all lifted up unto you. Lord, we pray for the political scandal that has rocked the Singapore political scene this week. On one hand, though some of us may be enjoying the show from the peanut gallery, and to see hypocrisy being slapped back it's always something that kind of like brings joy to us. But remind us that for each person involved in the saga, there are people who love them and there are people who were hurt by them. And that while we watch from the side, we do not know what exactly is happening. We just continue to pray that Be with those people And that they may have the time to heal But that you are the healer of all God, this week We also have the suicide of the SPF officer Due to bullying at the workplace Bullying can be due to physical altercations but we also know that a lot of bullying comes in forms that we may not see it may be harsh words it may be gaslighting sometimes it may just simply be silent treatment cutting people off emotionally God, whether we have been victims of bullying or we may have perpetrated bullying itself or we may console ourselves that, hey, you know, we have never done such a thing before. But sometimes, if we are witnesses to all this, but we do not do anything, our inaction is just a passive way of saying that we do not care. But God, we know that you do care. For each of us is your beloved child. We pray that we have the courage to always stand by and stand up for those people who are in need of help. God, we also lift those among us who may have issues, be it health issues, finance issues, emotional issues. We lift everyone up to you for we know that you love us and that you want us to be your community of love. God, we lift up all these prayers unto you. And we continue to pray that your presence may be felt and experienced by all of us. 
and that your love may be exhibited by all of us to each other. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. Now I invite David to come up and give us his sharing for the day. Good morning. So my name is David. I'm honored to be sharing God's word with you this morning. Uh, and at FCC, we use Menti as a way to let you engage directly with the sermon and share your thoughts and responses. So I invite you now to take out your phone and go to fcc.ly slash menti, where you'll be able to see the slides and respond live to questions. But it's also completely anonymous, so I hope this helps you feel safe in sharing your answers. Um, so as you're doing that, uh, I'd like to open today's sermon with a story. And as uh, you know, this week has been a week of political drama. Uh, this story, too, is a bit about political drama. And it was in March 2009. Uh, a women's rights gr advocacy group in Singapore called AWARE was having their run-of-the-mill annual general meeting, similar to what we do, you know, just about 30 or 40 people, people we know, old friends coming to get, get together and vote. But longtime members started to realize something was wrong when about 100 strangers showed up. And most of these had only joined the organization about one to two months before. So when it came time to the, for the election of the executive committee, newcomers were nominated into key positions, people with zero experience in the organization. And thanks to all the newcomers who had shown up, these newcomers managed to win nine out of the 12 seats with overwhelming majorities. So as it turned out, this was a, a coup uh, by infiltration and it was orchestrated by conservative Christians who opposed AWARE's pro-LGBTQ stance. And they wanted to take over the organization and steer it in a more conservative direction. So there was a lot of drama in the months that followed, culminating in an extraordinary general meeting in May 2009, which was attended by more than 3,000 people. Uh, and, at, um, and at this thing, about uh, the longtime members managed to regain leadership control of the organization through a vote of no confidence in the new committee. And so this is a legend, legendary news in Singapore now. It's known as the Aware Saga, and probably some of you have, are very familiar with it. But if you've never heard of it before, uh, there is actually a podcast which is a 12-episode podcast. I've been listening to it, and it's really fascinating. So you can go check it out. Um, and I bring it up today because it's, uh, it's similar to what we're going to study today on today's passage, which is on the theme of infiltration. It's the parable of the wheat and the weeds, also known as the wheat and the tares. Okay, now, this is not an easy passage. Uh, it's not a feel-good passage. This passage touches on judgment, on hell, um, and so if these things are triggering to you, just be forewarned. Um, I'm not offended if you go next door and enjoy coffee for 30 minutes, and then you can come back for communion. Um, but for the rest of us, let's give this time to God in prayer. Dear God, as we listen to your word today and as we delve into this difficult passage, I pray that our hearts will be attuned to yours, to know that your intentions towards us are always filled with love, and not condemnation. To know that your words are given to us to strengthen us and guide us towards you, not away from you. And to know that we are beloved 
And nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So now we'll turn to today's reading from Matthew 13, verses 24 to 29 from the New Living Translation. The parable of the wheat and the weeds. Here is another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles and burn them, and to put the wheat into the barn. So there's more to the story. The story does continue, but we'll take a short pause here because I want to mention two things. First of all, why does Jesus use this kind of storytelling? This is a story known as a parable, which is common in Jewish tradition and rabbinic literature. Parables are relatable stories that express profound spiritual truths, especially when trying to describe something abstract, like what is the kingdom of heaven like, or to what can we compare it? The metaphors in this story are drawn from the everyday life of the listeners of Jesus' time, which was primarily agricultural. So, in fact, this story follows right after a more famous parable, the parable of the sower. But unlike that parable, in this case, Jesus was not talking about different kinds of soil, but he was talking about different kinds of seeds. So the, there's the wheat and the tares, or the weeds, and the weeds are a plant known as darnel, which looks very similar to wheat before it ripens. Now, these stories are meant to make us ponder and discover the truth. Often, we'll remember something better than if we figured it out for ourselves than if someone had just told us. Now, secondly, some of you might be thinking, yeah, this passage sounds familiar. Yeah, you're right, because Gary preached on it two, about two years ago on 24th October 2021 as part of the Becoming Sermon series. And his sermon included a really fascinating history of the devil. So if that's of interest to you, you can also go look that up on our uh, YouTube channel. And I was a bit worried he'd already taken all the good points, so there was nothing left for me to say. But I hope what I will share today will be a slightly different take on the passage and can add on to what Gary had shared. So before we read on, um, because Jesus is going to explain the parable in the next few verses, in the spirit of a parable, uh, let's try to engage with it ourselves. So you can take out your phone and go on Menti and answer this question, what do you think are the weeds? Could it be, say, evil people? You can choose more than one, by the way. Could it be evil people, like children of the devil, as it says in the passage? Or is it non-believers, uh, those who have not accepted Jesus as their savior? Or, or is it false believers, those who pretend or say they're Christian, but they're not really saved? Or is it sin in our lives? Is it wrong beliefs? Or maybe something entirely different?
sin in our life seems to be the front runner. False believers, second. Non-believers and wrong beliefs. All of the above, well, yeah, you can just choose them all, <laughs> one to six. <laughs> you can choose more than one. Yes. Oh, is it? Oh, uh, yeah, okay. I intended it to be, pick as many as you want. Okay. Well, this forces you to commit, okay, <laughs> to your answer. <laughs> if you're not sure, put number six, okay. <laughs> okay, so I think most people are thinking it's the sin in our lives. Okay, that's very interesting. So now let's hear what... Um, what Jesus is going to say about it. Okay, so we'll continue with the story. So um, from verse 36 to 43 in the same chapter. Then, leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house. His disciples said, Please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. Jesus replied, The Son of Man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world. And the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. So just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Okay, so I don't know about you, but for me, that raised even more questions than answers. Okay, so now we have the following elements. We have the farmer who plants the good seed. That's Jesus. He calls himself the son of man in the Bible. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. That's the literal translation from the Greek, the children of the kingdom, although they use the word sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, the sons of the devil. Okay? And um, the enemy who planted the weeds is the devil, or the Greek word diabolos. The harvest is the end of the world, also known as the end of the age, some kind of you know, apocalypse, judgment day. The harvesters are the angels. The sorting of the weeds is judgment. The burning of the weeds is thrown into the fiery furnace. And then gathering into the barn is where the righteous will shine like the sun. Okay, so these are the words of Jesus as recorded by Matthew. And I think it raises a few really difficult things that we have to wrestle with. Firstly, the idea of the fiery furnace, right? That's a metaphor for hell. And I think for a lot of us, it's like, how could a loving God throw people into hell, right? And that's a very big topic and not something we'll tackle today. I actually want to tackle it in another sermon in the future. But today we'll wrestle with another idea, which is that that Jesus is categorizing all people into two distinct groups, the children of the kingdom, or the righteous, and the children of the devil, those who do evil. And then some of them are sown into the world by Jesus, others are sown into the world by the devil, and the parable is saying they kind of look the same, and you can't tell them apart. And we, maybe we shouldn't even try to do so because God allows them to coexist. But who is who? Who is in which group? Because Jesus doesn't go into the specifics. 
He didn't say uh, who they are, right? Are they objectively immoral people? Are they the unsaved or false Christians? Is it even people at all? So how should we understand this? So I thought, okay, we'll bring in another passage to talk about what being a child of the devil means because Jesus was talking to some of the religious leaders who opposed him. And he said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. But you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. So what Jesus is saying here is that being a child means you imitate your parents, like, like parent, like child, right? So the children of the devil, they're carrying out the desires of their father, the devil. While the children of the kingdom carry out God's desires, listening to God and loving God. And yet, this seems very black and white. I mean, the idea that there are good guys and bad guys, heroes and villains, that sounds like a Hollywood movie, right? Marvel or whatever, the good guys, right? But the gospel and our experience tells us that such categories are fluid, coexistent, and difficult to discern at best. And I think, if you're honest with ourselves, all of us comprise both, and we're not purely one or the other. Now, if you think back to the AWARE saga, the people who were trying to infiltrate the organization probably thought they were the wheat, trying to get in and influence the weeds, right? But the, the people on the other side thought, no, they are the weeds coming in and trying to disrupt us. So in a sense, everybody thinks they're the good guys and other people are the bad guys, but the truth is much more complicated. So I thought I would bring in two psychological studies that I found while I was researching this sermon <clears throat> to shed some light on this. Now, the first one is um, about moral character in the workplace, a 2014 study by Taya Cohen. And what she and her group did is they took about 1,500 people in America, and they um, looked at them over a period of two to three months, asked them to rate themselves as well as what their coworkers said about them to try and figure out who, who are the good people in the office and the bad people, right? And I think we all work, right? so you know, oh yeah, there's some people are very annoying, you know. Those are the bad people. And then there's the good people, very helpful, they're caring. So what they did was they categorized them into high moral character, average, and low. And then to see if this related to their behaviors in the workplace, either behaviors that help the organization to function better and help cooperation, such as like mentoring others, volunteering, and um, being flexible, like accommodating other people's schedules if they needed to change and so on versus negative behaviors like lying, stealing, verbally abusing or physically abusing their coworkers and so on. And I think um, working in Singapore, you probably have people who shout, bosses who shout at you and things like that. That would be under the negative behaviors. Okay, so what they found is actually is quite interesting. They're, they looked at a lot of traits and there were certain traits that floated up to the top that were consistently associated with people who were cooperative at the workplace, who did good things in the workplace. And so these are the character traits, and they can be broken down into three areas. The first is motivation, which is consideration of others, like really putting others before yourself. And they found that people who do this have very high levels of honesty and humility. They were sincere, they were modest, and they were fair. They also do perspective taking, which is to put yourself in the shoes of someone else considering other people's perspectives and feelings. And that's also to do with empathy. 
And then they had guilt-proneness. Guilt-proneness means you actually feel guilty when you did something bad, and that also motivates you to change and to not do it as much. Okay, the second category is ability. So they had motivation, but they also had the ability. So they were conscientious, which meant they were dependable, self-disciplined, and careful. And most importantly, they were able to resist short-term benefits, this self-regulation. So they were able to hold back from taking a short-term benefit if it had a negative long-term consequence for themselves or for others. And then thirdly, it was identity. This is to do with the desire to see oneself as a moral person and to value being moral. Okay, so actually the outcome of this study is if you are hiring someone, you should be looking for people with these traits because um, one of these people can really change an organization's culture, whereas someone who is low on these traits has a very negative influence on the culture of a workplace. Okay, but you can see that, okay, the flip side of this is that employees who had low moral character were the opposite. They were deceitful, they were boastful and greedy, and they exploited others and acted selfishly. So there's a term called Machiavellianism, which is a tendency to manipulate or deceive others. And then there is moral disengagement. And this means that every time you do something bad, you kind of downplay it. You say, ah, it's not that bad because other people are worse. Right? So it's kind of minimizing your own negative behavior. Okay, so the results, which you'll see in the next page, um, show that there's two, uh, two graphs here. Okay, so on the left side is the negative x, both reported by the people themselves and reported by their coworkers. And on the right side are the positive x, self-reported and coworker reported. And so what you'll see, if you click the next one, you'll see that um, the, those with low moral character, okay, the blue, the bad people, so to speak, right? They did significantly more negative acts. So just one bad person can really disrupt a workplace. But you notice also, they did as many positive acts as those with average moral character. So although they maybe contributed negatively, they also did some good. Now you click to the next one, you see that those who were good in the red, they did a lot of positive acts, that's true. But they still did some negative acts, okay? So they were not perfect. So basically, to put it very simply, good people still can do bad things, and bad people still do good things, right? So the most important thing to note is that moral character, like all aspects of personality, can change over time and across situations. And so, to share for myself, I've, uh, for my career, I've mainly been focused on just doing good work by myself. But more recently, I've been put in a position where I have to manage a team. And um, for the first time, I realized that actually my main job is not doing the work, but it's taking care of the people who are doing the work. And this has been very difficult because that's not really my strength. Um, I just enjoy doing the work by myself. And so I've been thinking a lot lately about how to be the kind of team leader that can bring out the best in everyone. And I realize I still have a long way to go. Uh, I fall very short. And maybe there's things on this list as well that you, you see and you say, okay, yeah, I also need to improve. But that's good because guilt-proneness is a sign of moral character. <laughs> so, but the way we respond to guilt, okay, it actually depends on how we see God. Okay, if you see God as a harsh judge, then you tend to downplay and hide your failures. But this also means we're less likely to improve. But if we see God as a loving parent who embraces us, 
no matter how we are, then failure is an opportunity to grow and to embrace change, even if it's hard. And this is what our sermon series has been about, to know that we are beloved and to let our lives reflect that. So now I'll go to the second study, and this is about victims and perpetrators. It was done in 1990 by Ron Baumeister. And in this study, what they did is they took people who identified as victims. Uh, they'd been sort of angered by someone else. And then they took people who were perpetrators. They had made someone angry. And then they tried to interview them and find out whether there are any personality differences between these two groups. So go to the next one. You'll see that, first of all, okay, there were some differences. Victims were focused on the lasting consequences of what happened to them. But perpetrators saw the incident as an isolated incident that people had moved on from. It was like, ah, it's over, it's over. Right? Whereas the victim is still thinking about it long time after. Victims also viewed the perpetrator's actions as incomprehensible. It's like, this, why? I don't understand why they did that. There's no, no reason they did that. Whereas the perpetrator saw their actions as justified. And most importantly, there was no difference in personality between the two groups. Okay, victims and perpetrators are the same people. In fact, it's just us. So this study sheds light on why people tend to characterize those who do bad things as bad people, even though we're all guilty of doing bad things ourselves, because it shows that we perceive events in biased ways. So victims will tend to inflate the magnitude of the harm done on them because they don't understand the motives and factors that made the perpetrator act on them. Whereas perpetrators will minimize the harm that they caused because they have strong incentive to do so and they don't, they don't appreciate the emotional effect of their actions on the victim. They can't read the victim's mind. So the bottom line is we're all sometimes victims and sometimes perpetrators. But when we're victims, the perpetrators seem worse because of our biases, whereas when we're perpetrators, we don't judge ourselves as harshly. And the thing is, we're all in the same boat, so each of us is a mix of good and bad, and it's easy to think of others as the bad people while minimizing the harm that we do. So the best approach is compassion and empathy towards others and ourselves. Um, and I think in terms of the song that we sang, the last worship song, that's always been a challenging song for me because it contains some words that, like, pimp, pedophile, it's like, wow. The first time I sang that, I was like, wow, this, we sing this in church? This is a very shocking song, you know? But then I, I realized it's a call to check my heart and to say, is there anyone I think is beyond the reach of God's love? Like, is there anyone who I feel like God cannot love that person? Right? And, and it, the song forces us to confront our own biases as well. Okay, so, so what we should not be doing from reading the weed and the weeds is to use these passages to draw circles around who is in and who is out and trying to define us and them. Because what happens when we do this is it leads to a dehumanizing of the them. Now in 2018, a gunman attacked a synagogue in Pittsburgh in America and he shot 11 people there who were Jewish. And the reason he did that, which they found out later on his social media page, was because of the passage we read earlier, John 8.44, that he thought Jews were children of the devil. See, this is an extreme example of uh, very us and them kind of thinking. Now, in a less extreme example, some Christians use the parable to, to mean that there are false believers in the church. 
And although the parable says you cannot tell them apart, and you shouldn't try, because God allows them to coexist, it doesn't stop people from trying to point fingers and figure out, okay, who is the fake Christians and heretics around them. And quite often, it's anyone who disagrees with their particular theological or moral values. As if, like, okay, there's been thousands of years of church history and so many different ways of understanding God, interpreting the Bible, and now, no, now we've, we have got it right. Everyone else is wrong. I mean, what kind of hubris is that, right? So back in June, Pastor Myak gave an interview to Must Share News on how Pink Dot is still relevant after the reveal of, repeal of 377A. And that he said parents of queer individuals still need support because they face discrimination from their peers. So when I went to the article, wow, there were so many comments there. They were very harsh, very anti-LGBT. Um, and thankfully, when I went there today, they're, they're all gone. I think they disabled the comments section. Um, but it's very, very hard to read these kind of comments because it's dehumanizing. So when people attack uh, uh, others, they, they think they're attacking an idea, but they forget that they're hurting real people. And FCC, as the only openly LGBTQ-affirming church in Singapore, is often the target of this kind of attack. And some churches even think we're a cult. <laughs> But I hope if they come here, they'll see, hey, we're actually quite normal now. <laughs> we, just, we sing a bit, songs are a bit funny sometimes, but that's because we have a certain very inclusive theology. <laughs> so um, overseas, in 2019, the Evangelical Covenant Church in America expelled a congregation for supporting the LGBTQ community. Um, now, this story actually hit home to me quite hard because when I was living in America, I was part of this denomination, and I thought, that this denomination was particularly open-minded and allowed for a wide range of theological differences. So it was very disappointing that now things that have become secondary to the faith have become primary for some people, and it's become an us versus them thing again. So what we should not do, uh, what we should also not do, is become overly obsessed that we ourselves might be the tares. Because some people think, oh, this is talking about the false believers, but what if it's me? Maybe I'm a false believer and I'm going to be thrown in the fiery furnace, right? So we start to doubt that we're really among God's people. Maybe we feel some shame over things we've done, or patterns of harmful behavior in our lives, maybe how we harmed others or harmed ourselves, and we cannot believe God could possibly love us or transform us. So if that's you, then I hope the past few weeks' sermons have sown good seeds into your heart, that you are God's beloved. And this is not something you earn by your good actions or lose by your bad actions. Our status as children of God is given to us by God out of God's limitless grace. And so I hope you can receive the good news by just trusting in the loving heart of God. And what I think the parable is saying to us today is to give others the benefit of the doubt and to keep an open mind. Be willing to see and listen to where God is at work in places you might least expect especially among people who are different from you, who believe and act differently. When we start to try to label other people as tares, children of the devil, then we no longer see them as people God loves, made in the image of God. So although FCC is often at the receiving end of these labels, we too have people or groups of people we just don't like. Right? And, and we may have written them off in our hearts as unworthy of our care or understanding. So let's be generous as we sang, draw the circle wide to remember that no one is beyond the reach of God's love.
So we've talked about various literal interpretations and how they can be somewhat unhelpful. So what are some helpful ways we can interpret the passage? Maybe a more helpful way to think about the passage is that tares are not people, but rather they represent the bad thoughts, false opinions, errors of judgment or delusions. And some of you might say, but that's not what Jesus said, okay? Jesus interpreted it this way. So how can you say that? But even Jesus ended his explanation with the phrase, he who has ears, let him hear. Now, whenever Jesus says that phrase, it means that there's a hidden meaning in the passage. Right? So that means there could be multiple interpretations. And even some very early theologians had proposed that he, Jesus is not talking about people. He's talking about ideas. So today we might say that the enemy, the enemy is the brokenness of the world and the tears represent the wounds that people, ideologies, and situations have sown into our hearts. Right? They've kind of infiltrated, gone into us without our knowing, right? and then sprung up and caused problems in us. And last week, Pastor Miak spoke about four kinds of behaviors, right? the inability to say no, to say yes, to hear no, and to hear yes. I mean, these are just sort of behaviors, and there are many, many more, right? that arise out of traumas or situations that happened to us when we were young. And then we develop certain ways of protecting ourselves as a result. And these wounds become part of who we are. And as the parable says, they coexist with the good in us. And sometimes we want to uproot them, but we cannot. So if this is how you feel, then this parable can be a word of encouragement to you today. Let God sort out the weeds in your life. You can still be fruitful. Trust that God will heal and restore all things in the end, although we have to be patient because this restoration is happening in God's time, not ours. But in the meantime, keep your heart soft. Let God minister to you daily. And to take the analogy even further, sometimes we can be the enemy in the parable. We can intentionally or unintentionally sow wounds into others but we can also be the farmer who sows the good seed. In a sense, we are like following in the footsteps of Christ. We sow good seed into the world. And so the question today, in fact, the question I will leave you with today is what are you sowing? Are you sowing seeds of love and encouragement, courage and vulnerability, curiosity and humility, or condemnation and criticism, indifference, defensiveness, or any number of weeds that you can spread around the world. So if you can uh, go back to Menti, you can put in some responses you might have. So to read the Bible, yeah, to hear God's love story, love message to you and to hold on to God's promises, that transforms your life. To always trust God's guidance. Yeah, to put our trust in God. That's like childlike faith, right? To hold God's hand and say, I don't know where we're going all the time, but God, you are with me. And I trust you because you're a good parent. To sow positivity into dejected minds to reach out and reconcile with those who hurt and belittle us, to check in with people in our lives, to cut out hate and revengeful thoughts and start breathing nature, 
to be willing to say yes to things that I'm meant to do, to remember that everyone is loved by God, to be kinder to others, to practice love and understanding, to stay soft towards others and be patient, to be the bird, to bring the seeds out to the world, to judge less, to be open to differences, to take other people's perspectives and be more compassionate, to treat others the way you want to be treated, to be calm and carry on, <laughs> to love. I'd like to avoid speech that sows mistrust and encourages discord, even if what is said is factually true. Interesting. To speak truth in love. To say, yeah, maybe sometimes it's true, but it's not helpful, it's not loving. I'll refrain from sowing that seed. It might become a weed in somebody else's heart. So yeah, thank you so much for all your responses. And I, I just pray that um, you know, uh, we can all continue to remember, most of all, that we're the beloved children of God, and that we can live wholeheartedly. So thank you very much. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, David, so much for reinforcing us, re reassuring us that there's no in nor out. There's no us and them, especially at the Lord's table. We gather each Sunday at this table. Even though at this time we are not all physically together, the table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to, be, to meet any criteria. You don't have to be a member of FCC. You don't have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. So when Jesus sat at tables and broke bread with the tax collectors, lawyers, rich elites, and poor peasants, he proclaimed that God's radical love and abiding presence know no bounds. Through these occasions of sharing food, every person experienced God and shared in God's kingdom. So all together, please. A kingdom where all are welcome, all are worthy, and all are invited. A kingdom where lives are transformed and empowered, and the fruits of God's gentle justice bloom throughout creation. All people, including each of us, are invited to share in the sacred meal of celebration and, we, and be strengthened by the presence of God in this place. We remember, we remember that Jesus fed 5,000 hungry people with five loaves of bread and two fish. At this miraculous meal, there was such an abundance that everyone ate until they were full, and there were even 12 baskets of food left over. Holy God, we celebrate your abundant care and solidarity revealed in this meal. We remember that while sharing a meal with Pharisees, Jesus welcomed a woman 
viewed as an outsider. As the woman anointed his feet with oil, Jesus declared her dignity before everyone at the meal. Holy, Holy God, God, we, we celebrate, celebrate your, your gracious inclusiveness, inclusiveness revealed in this meal. At these meals, Jesus and all his disciples resisted the divisions, injustice, and violence of society. They lived out instead the kingdom of God, a place of love, justice, and mutuality. But we also recognize that all, not all people like Jesus' ministry. For some people, it was scandalous. They said, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. When his arrest seemed near, Jesus ate a meal in an upper room with the disciples. As he had done so many times before, he took bread. And after having given thanks to you, holy God, he broke it and gave it to the disciples. This time saying, do this to remember me. After the meal, he shared the wine, gave thanks, and said, I will not drink from this cup again until I drink it with you in the kingdom of God. Will the stewards please come forward to distribute the elements? And for those watching online, this is the time to prepare your elements and we will partake the elements together.
Jesus was then unjustly killed by the systems of domination of his day. To some of his frightened disciples, it seemed that the bread symbolized his broken body and the wine his blood. God, the, the kingdom, kingdom of God, God persisted and persists persist today through, through many, many people, people who seek to be your resurrection community. community. Holy, Holy God, in the sharing of this bread and wine, we joyfully celebrate the hope-inspiring ministry and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Please partake. Please rise in body or spirit. And all together, please. Gracious God, may this meal be for us an Emmaus meal, where we encounter your presence in the sharing of this food, as the disciples did at their meal in Emmaus. May the sharing of this food be a taste of your kingdom, holy God, so we may be strengthened to be your joyful and hopeful disciples. And may, and may we share in your kingdom, kingdom of love, justice, and mutuality with those around us. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you and welcome once again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for first realize everyone's equal. Uh, I'd like to thank David for his sermon. I don't know what is FCC's obsession with agricultural references. It's like we have seed, we have the song about God being the gardener, and then we have his wheat and wheat. But then it's like, you know, when I was listening to the parable, I was thinking, you need to pull the weed out because it's sucking up all the nutrients. That's the common thing to do. That's why you have all the weed killers and the Monsanto all coming in to do all this. So until now, I don't think I know what God's answer is to allow both the weed and wheat to grow together. But I mean, I do agree that in each of us, we all have the capability to do both good and evil. And a lot of times, it is the situation that we are in that makes us swing one way or the other. But I like to think, you know, whenever I have the choice to make, I always think like, you know, what will I do if no one is watching? I think when no one is watching, that is when we are our very true selves. And a very good reminder for me is that, uh, it's a Chinese saying, that they say, that means there's really nothing too there's no evil thing too small that we choose to do it. For example, maybe littering or smoking or whatever. Not that smoking is bad. <laughs> and there's really nothing too good, which is too small for us to do, which is to lend a helping hand. So indeed, as we hear the sermon, let's uh, reflect on this throughout our week and then let's see how we may indeed uh, follow in God's words. 
Uh, I'd like to welcome once again, everybody once again, to FCC. If you're new to FCC, today we actually have our newcomers meeting. It's a once-a-month newcomers meeting. Uh, it's held immediately after service right at the back of the church. Uh, if you're new to us or not so new but still we do not have your details, you may sign up and leave your details at fcc.ly slash welcome so that one of our staff members can reach out to you. Our next newcomers meeting is on 27 August 2023. Uh, send an email to info at org if you're interested to attend. Newcomers meeting is a hybrid meeting. You may uh, attend both online or on-site, but of course we encourage you to come on-site to speak to us, uh, speak to the pastors, speak to some of the leaders, so that you may know what FCC stands for and know that we are not as heretical as what other people say we are. So we are, I think we are very mild, so come, come, don't be afraid, all right? Okay, next. Uh, now this is the collection segment of the service. Uh, FCC depends, uh, a lot of its uh, functions and the roles depends on the contribution uh, of all the members and friends of FCC. Uh, there are actually two bank accounts that you can give to. One is the FCC General Bank account, one is the FCC Building Fund. Uh, we aim actually to finish paying off the mortgage of this place uh, within this year if possible as interest rates have been going up very, very high uh, lately. So there are a few ways that you can give. You may give by pay now by scanning those two QR codes or you may give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. Uh, giving by credit card has a platform fee of 1.5% implemented. Uh, before, if you are here and you'd like to give by dropping some money into the collection bags, uh, the stewards will go around later. But first, let us uh, pray. God, indeed, we give thanks to you for all we have is all that you have given to us. And that even as we read the Bible, you know, a hundred readings may give a hundred people different illuminations and different uh, ideas about what is it that you're trying to tell us to do. But we know that God, that the Bible is your love story to us. And God, as we continue to practice our faith, whether is it by coming to church, uh, serving in your ministries, doing cell groups, doing Bible studies, may we always remember that all we do is in a response to your love. And may we continue to listen to you and really to be able to discern what is it that you are calling us to do in this world that more and more people will get to know you and your love for them. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. May I ask for the stewards to come forward to take up the offering? If you'd like to give an offering, uh, please raise your hands and the stewards will go to you. Now is the announcement segment of the service. The first announcement is, ta-da! Okay, everything is happening on 30th of July. I do not know what good day it is, but it's a Sunday. So 30th of July, we have our portrait drawing, our after church event portrait drawing. So you can spend the afternoon getting to know or really getting to really know a person through the intimate art of drawing one another. No experiences required. Currently, we have an odd number of participants. Uh, so that means somebody will be 
have double the attention on them. So I'd like to encourage more people to sign up so at least we have an even number and then everybody has. It's like at least one-to-one. -one. I think ACE, after church event, is really uh, something that we try, the FCC tries to run uh, at least once a month and all those. So please do support the people actually uh, running this event because uh, I think it takes a lot of effort for them to come and then run the event and everything. So this portrait drawing is done by Lexi, who is in the Hive volunteering for us. So I promise her that I will pangta, promote, 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 so that we can get more people participating in this. So if you are interested, please sign up at scc.ly slash ACE. Next, uh, the FCC 20th, this year we are celebrating FCC 20th anniversary. If, in case you are still not aware, we are actually doing a commemorative book. And there we are actually collecting collages uh, to, for submission uh, to participate in this book. So if you like, as a minimum two person, if you think two person, you have got uh, something that you want to share about your life in FCC, at least you can do some collage. Or so if you are part of ministry, part of cell group, part of whatever you think you are, but you have a memory and a journey in FCC, you may contact info at freecomchurch.org for some briefing slides, and then your collages must be submitted by 30th of July also. Next, 30th of July is also the starting of SEED 15. SEED stands for Settle Easily, Engage Deeply. So if you wish to find out more about FCC, uh, we are starting our SEED season 15 on 30th of July. Send an email to info at freecomchurch.org. Basically, this is a series for newcomers to get to know more about FCC and FCC's theology. It's actually just a four-session. It runs once every two weeks, immediately after service, maybe 20 minutes to half an hour or so. And so if you want to get to know more about us, please also send an email to info at freecomchurch.org. Now I'd like to invite Pauline. Oh, yes, sorry. That's a video. <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, we actually had our SEC retreat in June this year uh, after a three years break. So now we have a video to show. If you see some faces blurred out, it's because of their choices. Uh, but Nehemiah, lah, it's okay. Lah. You know who... Oh, the people here... I mean, if you've been to a retreat, you know who they are. But if you've not been to a retreat, it doesn't make a difference that you don't know who they are. So let's watch the video. <laughs> yeah.
So um, we want to do something. It was great, right? The retreat, those of you who are there. And don't worry, those of you who are not there, we're going to have a retreat sometime, I don't know when, <laughs> next year or the year after. But yeah, uh, but we're going to do something a little bit special this morning. Uh, we want to pray for someone very special to us. Um, so I want to invite Rose to come up. Um, we're going to pray for her. I know it's a bit of a surprise. Sorry to put you in the spot. But as you know, Rose is one of our worship leaders. And some of you know that Rose will be leaving us and Singapore. Come here, come here. Uh, at the end of the month. Well, early. <laughs> no. It's okay. You don't have to say any words unless you want to. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, early August. Lah, very early August, right? Yeah. And uh, we are also sad to see her go, but we also know that it is God's plan and time for her. And we want to really pray for her as a community, uh, to pray for God's favor, to pray for God's protection and blessing as she goes, right? So before we pray, I want to invite those of you who know Rose, um, those of you who love Rose, who want to kind of lay your hand on her to pray for her, to just come up, right, and just come surround her and let's pray for her, okay? Come, come, come. And those of you from the hive, you can just reach out. And from the congregation, you can also reach out if you want. Okay? Come, come, come. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> come. Okay. So let's pray for Rose, okay? Let's pray. God of beginnings, God of endings, God of journeys. God of our lives. We come to you and we want to give thanks for Rose. For Rose and the gift of her life and the gift of her presence in our community. God, we are amazed at how you brought her to us. Um, often, actually, um, it's a surprise to her and to us as well during the, the pandemic times. But how she very quickly became such a big part of our family and how you, she stepped up to serve in many different ways in the production team and then the worship team and then being one of our worship leaders and the love that she poured out into our lives and into this community. And God, as she makes this new journey ahead, as she takes this new adventure, God, I want to pray for her that your presence go with her, that your favor, your protection, your every blessing will be upon her as she goes. That as she goes, she knows that she's surrounded by your love and our love. That she goes not alone. That she takes the steps forward. She knows that you are there preparing the way before her. That you're walking right next to her as her companion. That you're right behind her, supporting her every step. And so, God, we just want to entrust her into your loving care, asking that, God, you be with her, that you watch over her every step, and that you open up the ways for her to live up to the purposes that you have laid out for her in her life in this next part of her journey. And so, God, we just want to thank you for her life. We thank you for just this season that we could share with her and ask that, God, you will continue to guide us as we continue these friendships, these relationships, even in the way ahead, and that you will continue to love her and help her grow in your love in this time. As we pray all this, in Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you. And just as a special surprise, um, Felicia, where are you? Come here. Sorry, you have to come back again. Felicia and Gemma would like to share a song. Yep, yes, you Gemma. Tess, shall we all rise and uh, let's bless Rose with a song of blessing? want to welcome the worship team back up to lead us in our last song before the benediction. Okay, let's remember that no one and nothing is beyond God's love as we sing Draw the Circle Wide.
God who draws the circle wide, wider than our minds can ever conceive. God who loved us first, that we may love others the way you have loved us. Help us, God, to go out into this world, even as we have the potential to be both weed and weed. Help us to grow in ways that allow our wheat side to show the parts that blossom, the parts that continue to embody your love, your justice in this world. God, help us to always understand that your love brings us to compassion, compassion both for ourselves and for others, so that others may see that they are beloved too, and from there know what it means to not only be included, but to include all everyone else as well. So now go. Go and know that you are beloved. Go and know that it's because of this love that you can grow to be the wheat that God has called you to be now and forever. Amen. So thank you so much for joining us for service today. And we pray that you join us again next week or in the weeks ahead. Go and have a blessed week ahead.